What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Titans fans. Join us next Tuesday, October 24th at 7.30 p.m. Central Time when your Titan Size podcast crew will be doing a live all-time Titans mock draft. Uh, we will be choosing from among the best Titans to ever play, and we will be constructing rosters with those players. Join us on Blog Talk Radio again on Tuesday, October 24th, live at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wander and Will Lomas. This weekend, the Tennessee Titans travel to Cleveland to take on the winless Browns. And joining us today as a guest to help us preview that matchup is uh, the person who was actually the first guest on my old uh, personal podcast, the 3 and Out Podcast. So I, I guess we now add him to the list of friends of the show, uh, Stephen Rosenberg. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me on again. So, uh... I want to start off by talking about the Browns offseason haul, specifically in the draft, because there was a lot of talk that they were going to trade up and try to get Mitchell Trubisky, that, that they might take Deshaun Watson if he fell to them. But I thought they took the smart approach because none of the quarterbacks in this past year's class were really off the charts impressive. And I thought they took the right approach by getting David Njoku, Miles Garrett, Jabril Peppers, What's kind of the feel around Cleveland for where this team is right now? Because to me, they clearly seem ahead of where they've been in years past, but I don't know that that fan base is necessarily agreeing that they are indeed headed in the right direction. Well, see, here's the thing is if you would have asked me this question about a month and a half ago, um, I would be able to tell you confidently that every, pretty much every fan in Cleveland was really excited with the the direction they were heading in. Um, Like you said, going into this draft, we really didn't know if there was a top quarterback in this class. Um, or if we were just inflating it, Mitchell Trubisky had a year's worth of college starts. Deshaun Watson had all the interceptions. Kaiser was his own. He had that own thing going on in Notre Dame. Um, so we didn't really know <laughs> if there were any top flight quarterbacks. Um, I really loved what they did, trading down, getting the extra picks, and 
surprisingly, they didn't. Cleveland Browns, the first pick, they took Miles Garrett, who's been amazing thus far in two games. But I really love what they did. And a lot of people really loved it, too, up until we played the Texans last week. And then the train's starting to come off the tracks now <laughs> to most fans. Yeah, um, I actually thought the Browns coming in this season weren't going to be as bad as as many people thought. Um, they added a lot of pretty good talent through the draft. Um, and they made some key additions to to what was already a pretty good offensive line. Um, so I thought they had a chance to be pretty good. I think a little uh, some that uh, hurt a little bit was Miles Garrett getting injured, and I think Jamie Collins has also missed uh, some time. Uh, what do you think has contributed to to this winless start so far? Because it really doesn't seem like they're that talent deficient, uh, at least on paper when you look at their roster. Yeah, you're definitely correct. They have a vast amount more of talent than they've had years past, um, and most of that talent being young kids. But that's that's exactly what it is, in my opinion, is the reason they're 0-6 right now, and they did so bad last year. Um, as I was telling you guys right before we started, last year, you guys know the history of the Browns probably just as well as anyone does. It's very well documented. And every year or so, there's a change in head coach, change in front office. People come in, people come out. It's it's crazy. And with that, mm-hmm. players are constantly changing. Schemes are constantly changing. But last year, when Hugh Jackson was hired, Sashi Brown came in, Paul DePodesta, Andrew Berry, they actually did the rebuild right. They took the whole thing apart. The cupboards are bare. There was nothing left except a couple pieces. And they started to implement their vision. Um, but again, with that being what they did, there's, I think the Browns, no, I know the Browns are the youngest roster in the NFL. Second, or right right above Houston, I believe. Houston is right behind them. Um, they have a lot of key pieces, but those those people don't know how to win yet either. That's a big thing. I think if this year, if you guys see, whether it be this Sunday or some point down in the next few weeks, the Browns actually get a win, it'll be a night and day football team. Once these kids learn mm-hmm. how to win, it'll, it's it's a very important step for them. That's why I thought the 4-0 preseason, as redundant as it may be, was very important for these kids. Uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot about you know, those rebuilds. One of the picks, I, I not that I didn't understand, but I was interested to see how it fit, was uh, Jabril Peppers late in the first. Y'all use him something like 20 yards off the ball. I always thought he'd be kind of better rangy, inside the box kind of guy. Uh, what what do you think about the way they're playing Peppers so far? I think what they're trying to do with Peppers, and these are just reports that have came out the past few weeks, I think they're trying to play him like they would play Malik Hooker. Um, a lot of reports came out. There was conflicting reports with them wanting to take Deshaun Watson, but the more I read into it, the more I read that they wanted Malik Hooker out of Ohio State. Um, the front office saw the deal from Houston as a better, you know, a better fit for them right now, which accumulating more picks with the talent that they have right now is definitely the way to go. But they're, they're definitely playing Peppers out of his skill set. Peppers is an in-the-box safety, run support. He can play well in coverage. But, I mean, you guys have seen it these past six weeks. We just saw it last Sunday. He got exposed against Deshaun Watson. So uh, I, I'm not 100% sure why Greg Williams continues to put him 20 to 30 yards back in the defense. Um, I think they need to maybe switch him, put him up front, and let one of the other young safeties, Derek Kindred, Ibrahim Campbell, someone be the center fielder instead of peppers because it's it's not working out well for him right now he's a very athletic kid and very talented and i think he can be a great safety he's just playing out of position right now let, let me follow that up real quick by asking um so when y'all made that trade back when you could have had malik hooker who is pretty much the ideal prototype 
you know, free safety, single high kind of guy. Is that something you see as a flaw in Sashi's ability to rebuild is he sees things and thinks I can have 95% of what I could have had here with extra picks and then he trades down and the fit isn't exactly what he wanted and that kind of hinders the scheme or is this something that you think was more of a fluke? Uh, it's I honestly think a little bit of both. I think that there were legitimate concerns with Hooker where um, in Ohio State, I mean, he did have that one season, which was amazing. Again, he shows he's showing it in the NFL today. I mean, I think he leads rookies in interceptions right now. Yeah. Um, Ohio State, he did, you know, he had eight or nine in that one year, but he did have concerns with tackling. Um, didn't always wrap up. Kind of a hit or miss on that. And that's, that's really big in the NFL. You can't miss tackles. So with that being a concern, I also think it was, it's something that Sashi struggled with. The year before, we saw them pass on Carson Wentz. Albeit they may have thought he wasn't a top 20 quarterback. They only had four months to prepare for the draft. That one I can kind of, you know, put push that under the rug as a, you know, just, just let that be what it is. But this sure. year I I did kind of think they missed on the Malik Hooker. I really wanted him. Obviously being a Browns fan from uh, Northeast Ohio, I'm an Ohio State fan as well. I loved Hooker. I knew we mm-hmm. had the concerns, but I thought he could play in the NFL. I just think they, exactly like what you said, they think well, we can maybe get what Malik Hooker has with Jabril Peppers but also get pick X, Y, and Z in that package. So if they if they can make it to next year with two picks in the first, three in the second, they have to hit on them. There's no more trading down. There's no more accumulating picks. You're in the third year of that rebuild. You need to hit on your picks, and you need to hope that they pan out. Yeah. Steven, one of the key things that we talked about uh, when I had you on my podcast last year was how Cody Kessler – played a really good game against the Titans last year and how he had a chance to be a pretty decent starting quarterback in the NFL. He's small, but he has a pretty live arm, and he can move around in and outside of the pocket. And so my question is, why is this uh, coaching staff at this point so resistant to starting him? Because after the benching of Deshaun Kaiser, they played Kevin Hogan, and this week they made the comment that regardless of who they play this week, uh, who I guess it is going to be Deshaun Kaiser, but it was never going to be uh, Cody Kessler. Was there some sort of falling out that I missed or something with, with Kessler? Um, if you missed it, I must have missed it as well. Uh, I remember reading all offseason that Kessler was doing nothing but impressing coaches with his, his dedication. He completely changed his diet. The dude lost 10 or 15 pounds worth of fat, which I didn't even know he had, and put that right back on his muscle. <laughs> Um, they said his arm strength had improved. I know that's kind of hard to improve on a year-to-year basis. It can take a while for that to improve. But the one thing I always loved about the kid is, albeit he is small, he, he does stand in the pocket. He's very good at standing in the pocket, delivering the big throw, and taking the hit, which a lot of young a lot of young guys and small guys aren't willing to do that. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser is 6'3", 6'4", and 200-some-odd pounds, kind of like a Ben Roethlisberger mold, and he's kind of jittery in the pocket. But someone with Cody Kessler's size was able to stand in there. I loved his accuracy. I loved the way he was able to deliver the ball on time. I think the biggest thing is he – I think last year he played scared once he was the, he was officially the man for those eight games before he got hurt. I think he was scared of losing the job because everyone knows the quarterback carousel in Cleveland, and he was afraid to put the ball in harm's way. Um, he had a 6-2 to two touchdown interception ratio, which isn't bad, but it also shows you don't take deep shots. You're not really taking any type of legitimate shot except for, you know, check downs, slant routes, something in the middle every now and then. But I think he was afraid to run the offense to its full capability, and I think that's why he fell out of good graces with Hugh Jackson. 
Yeah, actually, I have a question about Hugh Jackson. I'm not sure um, if Browns fans feel comfortable about him being the main play caller going forward. Uh, I thought going into the season that the Browns were going to have actually a really good uh, running game because they got Treader and um, who's the other guy they got? Oh, Zeitler. And they already had, right, and they already had Joe Thomas and Joel Batonio. So the offensive line uh, didn't seem like an issue at all, but... Uh, and Isaiah Correll was coming off a really nice season. Uh, he averaged 4.8 yards a carry, I'm pretty sure. Um, but it has been a struggle so far this season, especially for Crowell. Duke Johnson has looked good, but they they clearly don't envision him as a more than 5-8 to eight carry a game kind of guy, uh, even though I do believe he can... He can be that kind of guy. Uh, I'm a little biased because I went to the University of Miami, but gotcha. he sh- he showed in college that that he can carry the, wor- the carry the load. Um, what do you think has been the reason for the struggles in the run game so far? Well, first off, I want to piggyback off what you said. I wholeheartedly believe Duke Johnson could be in every down back. I love the kid. He mm-hmm. has been by far their most electric playmaker this year, and for some reason they don't like to get him on the field as much as they should. I don't mm-hmm. understand it. But that's why I'm not paid to make those decisions, I guess. I don't really know. <laughs> but I think a big thing with the uh, the running struggles this year is because they are starting a rookie quarterback. And when they weren't, they were right. starting Kevin Hogan, who is essentially a rookie. He's played a game and a half last year um, mm-hmm. for Kessler. And all he really did was run the ball against Cincinnati for a couple hundred yards. Didn't really pass it. What he did it was they were interceptions. So... Pretty much all the Browns are doing is playing rookies, aside from Kessler, which, like we just talked about, for some reason, he's not getting the shot. But every team, I believe, comes into the week playing the Browns thinking, all right, let's put eight in the box. Let's put seven, eight in the box. Let's rush the quarterback. Let's get after him. Make them beat us with their arm. Make Kaiser beat us with his arm. Make him read a defense. And right now, he's Kaiser's a smart kid. I, I do have a lot of faith in the kid, but he's still... He's, he's 21. He's younger than, I think, all of us, or younger than most of us. Yeah. <laughs> I, he might he may not be able to read the defense properly yet. He can make the throws. He's got a great arm. But he's still, he's not processing it as quickly as he should be. And that's why they just can't get the run game going, because teams are honing in on it. The offensive line is playing a lot better than most people give it credit for. They're just, you can't block seven or eight people when you only have five or six. Mm-hmm. Runs are going to get blown up. It's not going to work out. And then they're down by two touchdowns, and Kaiser has to throw with his arm. There's no other way to get back into it. So if they can, if Kaiser can start showing teams he can beat them with the arm, with his arm, it'll open up the run game more. Uh, the good news on that is Dick LeBeau is only going to send about three people uh, every other play. So so there will be a lot of times where you, where no matter what quarterback you have in, he'll have plenty of time to sit back and read the defense and find when our slow linebackers or our sixth defensive back is covering somebody. Um, talk, talk going from offense to defense. I really liked Garrett coming out. I think everybody did. Um, uh, Ogba's a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot. Are they the best – young pass rushing tandem in the NFL like Ingram's been in a while for San Diego so I'm not counting those two but I'm trying to think of another pair that are that close in age that are already already look like they're you know these stars on their defense I think I'd have to agree with you there I would give it at least another year to give Agba some more chance because right now it has been Carl Nassib and Emmanuel Agba manning the ends um, with Garrett out finally with Garrett coming back he's going to be commanding double teams obviously you saw his first snap, 
his first NFL play was a sack against Jets quarterback Josh McCown. Um, and again, he got another sack that game, and he was able to sack Deshaun Watson last week. Three sacks in two games is pretty good. So he's going to start to command more attention. They're going to have to slide protections his way. And that's going to free Ogba up to go one-on-one with some of the lower-tier tackles in the NFL. I do believe that with the ability Miles Garrett has plus Emmanuel Ogba, I do believe they can be one of the best young pass-rushing duos in this league. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. And once Garrett's healthy, Ogba's completely healthy, and they're both ready to go, I think they're going to be terrorizing quarterbacks for a while. I hope to see it this Sunday, but (laughs) that remains to be seen. (laughs) Uh, Steven, something that uh, the three of us have really been shocked by is the success that uh, former Titans cornerback Jason McCourty has had in a Cleveland Browns uniform because he's someone that all three of us have watched film on and watching him get absolutely toasted playing in a cover three technique because he no longer could, could locate the ball. What have you seen from him on the field? Because none of us have really watched a ton of him. We just know that he's played well. We see the pro football focus grade. What have you seen from Jason McCourty strictly as an uh, observer of the game of football? And uh, why do you think he's improved so much with the team switch? I see an instinctive leader is what I see. Um, he came, When he came in, he was behind Joe Hayden on the depth chart, quarterback two. That remains to be seen if those two ever played together. But once Hayden was gone, McCordy knew this was his secondary. This is his defense. And he's he stepped into that role, and he's embracing it. Um, he helps communicate with the safeties to get everyone in line. Same with the middle linebacker, Joe Schober, to make sure the defense is properly set. And I I do agree with you. I'd seen multiple multiple times on film back when he was playing with the Titans where he, he did get burned. He kind of looked like he was washed up and nearing the end of his career, and then all of a sudden he comes to Cleveland and there's this resurgence. Um, we kind of saw the same thing last year with Jamar Taylor when Miami traded uh, him to the Browns for a swap of seventh-round picks. Jamar Taylor was the second, if not the best, cornerback we had on the roster last year. Um, so sometimes, you know, you can just attribute that to a change of scenery. But I think he's really embraced the leadership role, teaching the young guys. And honestly, he's just having one heck of a year. I, I would hope it would continue, but with McCourty's age, we know that it's not the most likely thing, but he's been a, he's been a pleasant surprise. That's for sure. Um, I think uh, a big reason that Kaiser maybe uh, has struggled a little bit to this point, And even Hogan last week, uh, I don't think he's, they're getting a lot of help from their receivers per se. Uh, they added Kenny Britt and Sammy Coates over the, over the off season. Um, and Kenny Britt has been, well, I mean, you, you've seen it. it it's not been pretty. <laughs> and Sammy Coach is just a really inconsistent player. I'm not even sure if he's that big of a part of the offense in Cleveland. Uh, they do have some young receivers that are interesting. Uh, Richard Higgins, Ricardo Lewis, and Kaysen Williams. Um, but do you think um, do you think the receiving group is limiting uh, the upside of a guy like Kaiser right now? Absolutely, I do. Uh, that's why you, you see... With David Njoku, their first-round pick, uh, the tight end for Miami this year, um, Duke Johnson, you see, even with Seth DeValve, Seth DeValve has been Kaiser's favorite target. Those guys are flourishing with Kaiser. They're getting open, they're creating space, they're making plays. But when it comes to the receivers, more often than not, you just see drop passes. Excuse me, more often than not, you see tipped passes that go for interceptions. I apologize. <laughs> drop passes are the second problem. Um, I'm not sure if you can attribute that to communication errors, if 
Heiser's just throwing the ball too hard, which you get paid to catch footballs. In the NFL, you should be able to catch a football from a quarterback. That's just my thought. Um, I do believe that with Kenny Britt not living up to expectations, Ricardo Lewis not playing as well as they thought he would this year, um, Rashard Higgins has had some bright spots here and there. For a fifth-round pick, he's done okay, but I do expect more of him. I, I really loved him coming out of the draft last year, and I was really hoping that he could contribute more. And there's still time, but they, the receivers need to step up. Kaysen Williams is starting to prove himself more and more, and he even cracked the starting lineup last week with Kenny Britt sitting out. Um, mm-hmm. I really like him. There's potential, but it all starts with Kenny Britt. He's the veteran leader. He needs to show these kids that what they need to do, and he needs to play with some heart. I don't know what's been going on with him, but he just he just doesn't have it. He, I, I don't know if it was just something that happened early in the season. He got into his own head. Hopefully these two weeks off gave him gave him enough time to breathe, and hopefully he can come back with a vengeance against his former team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you might get a spark out of Kenny Britt this week, but you're going to need those eggs in another basket long term. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've ridden that I've ridden that roller coaster before, and you, you don't you don't want to be there in the bottom. Um, okay, so something I've been thinking about is what's Cleveland's ideal personnel? Like, if you had to go up and say these are our five best skill players, because obviously you're going to have five offensive linemen and a quarterback. What five skill players would you say have to be on the field if your if your offense is running at maximum capacity and you're you know this is an offense that can score points on most teams in the league? What are the five guys you would have on the field? I think the five guys that I'd like to have on the field with the roster they have right now, I would love to have I'd love to have both Crowell and Duke Johnson on the field. Just because, again, like I said, Duke Johnson is not getting his fair share. Um, I have a lot of faith in David Njoku. He's starting to come into his own in his rookie year, and they just Hugh Jackson even came out this week and said they need to get him the ball more. He makes plays. He, I believe he leads the team in touchdown receptions. And he's had some pretty catches, too. Um, mm-hmm. And with Cason Williams and Ricardo Lewis, those are my two favorite receivers. I love the speed Ricardo Lewis has. He has the ability to burn the quarterbacks and go for a uh, go for deep route his route tree is starting to expand a little bit he's running his routes a little bit better he just needs to shore up the, the drops and case williams i mean i honestly don't understand why the seahawks let him go richard sherman didn't understand why the seahawks let him go but i love that the browns got to pick him up i think he's going to be on the team for a while because he's a very talented young guy i that would be my five case okay, so ricardo lewis and joku duke johnson and isaiah crowell and devalve on the bench Yes. Okay. Uh, Steven, as we wrap up, I want to ask you one last question. Uh, the Browns sure. have so much draft capital heading into next year. They have uh, – th- uh, Titans fans will or should be overjoyed with this. They have like half the Houston Texans draft for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, ha- <laughs> they, they, ha- they have two first-round picks. Uh, they have, I think, three or four second-round picks. Is that wrong? Uh, three second-round picks, three, yep. Three second-round picks. <laughs> Obviously, they need to hit on those picks – but if you're the general manager of the Browns, they obviously need a quarterback, and it wouldn't surprise me if they went after someone like a Darnold or a Josh Rosen, one of those top guys. But other than quarterback, what do you think is uh, should be a priority position for the Browns to address in the upcoming draft? Well, one of the biggest positions I think will actually be of need, as I do think running back is going to be a position they're going to need to target. Um, Isaiah Crowell not producing the way he – people thought he would this is a contract year for him 
I don't think the Browns are going to pay him what he's expecting to get paid, and I don't see him being in a Browns uniform next year. Um, Saquon Barkley is one of my top prospects coming out this year. I would mm-hmm. love for the Browns to grab him. Um, they also need to get a wide receiver, whether it be through free agency or through the draft. I know this receiving class in this year's draft isn't the strongest, but they, they need to pick someone up. They need to get some help. They need to get young and they need to get some talent on there and people that quite frankly, aren't afraid to catch the ball. (laughs) Steven, thanks so much for joining us, taking time out of your day. We really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, man. Of course. Thanks for, thanks for having me on guys. You guys can follow Steven Rosenberg on Twitter at TSR Rosenberg. We certainly thank him for joining us. Now let's talk about this game from the Titans' point of view. Uh, as we mentioned, they've played the Browns four years in a row now, so this is a team and a roster for that, for the most part, they are very familiar with. Uh, I want to start with this. This is a game that the Titans should win. Last week we said that about Indianapolis because you know they don't have Andrew Luck. They're not a very good roster. But they're still the Colts. They're a divisional team. This week you're playing the Browns. They're not in their, your division. They're winless. They're not good. Got to beat the Browns. No bones about it. Yeah, no. There's <laughs> there's nothing else to be said, really. But I don't think we should take the Browns for granted. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, because I've seen a Titans team lose to the Browns by, I think it was two touchdowns or something. Or like two years ago, I'm, I want to say. talking about uh, Mariota's um, second game? Yeah. Yes. With the yes. the, th- the Doriel Green Beckham slant in the end zone that made yes. it like, look like it was a halfway decent game. Yes. Yeah, we nice. thought we thought maybe uh, that was the spark of, uh, the Johnny of a new era. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, the worst Titans offensive line in history. An injured Taylor Lewan and then garbage around him. So that that was so like, I mean, the, the change it like, I mean, if you remember, the reason we lost that game is because Mariota got sacked something like six or seven times and was just mm-hmm. constantly under pressure. Like, that was a tough game to watch. Just oh, yeah, that was absolutely brutal. So. I'm still skeptical, but I, no, in no way is this Titans team as talent deficient as as that team back then. But regardless, we're playing at Cleveland. Road games in the NFL are not easy uh, in any capacity, really. Uh, but I am expecting the Titans to to win and and win pretty handily. Yeah. So. What do you guys see as a key to victory for the Titans? Uh, the Titans could potentially be without Delaney Walker, who didn't practice today. I don't so much think he'll be out. But there is a more realistic possibility that they're without DeMarco Murray for the first time this season, which would put Derrick Henry in the spotlight. And, and you know, really, every time we talk about key to the game for the Titans, we say kind of the same thing. They just got to run the football and, and get a pass rush, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I don't I'm not sure the pass rush is as as important this week as it is in other weeks. Um, Deshaun Kaiser loves to just stay in the pocket, and he loves to wait for for routes to develop downfield because he loves throwing deep, uh, and that's that's the way uh, they've he's gotten sacked so much this season. He just waits for routes to develop that don't ever develop because his receivers aren't good enough. Um, and he either gets sacked or he throws an ill-advised pass, which is why he has nine interceptions in three and a half games or four and a half games, whatever it is. So I think the important thing in this game is to just be patient with the pass rush, 
and be patient in coverage and and pick the ball off. If we don't pick Deshaun Kaiser off, then what are we doing, honestly? I mean, I don't know. I am not expecting any interceptions just because Dick LeBeau's <laughs> team – I mean, Dick LeBeau doesn't put his guys in a position to get interceptions because he plays them in really far off coverage to make sure they don't get beat deep. Like – it, you know, it's a weird thing to say, but like that's his version of Ben don't break is concede everything in front of you and make the other team make a mistake, which is good if you don't have any talent. But if you've got talent on your roster, you really should adjust um, back to the Murray question. Uh, I, I think I don't know. I think Murray plays. Is it a terrible idea, even if Murray's banged up, to give him make sure he's active, give him 10 snaps a game, either as a as a receiver or as a running back? Let Henry carry the rest, and then let Rubisky get cute and run Taewon and jet sweeps, and maybe do something with Richard or do that wildcat look where Murray's the quarterback, and then he hands off to Henry, so he's actually in, but he's really no not going to run it. You know, something like that to where you don't tip your hand to where the Browns can say, okay, if we wear out Henry, we've got a real chance, because you don't want him to just say, let's just make sure we bruise that back, because you want that element of deception to them to think, you know, we can roll out guys whenever we want. Even if he's 90%, I would rather have him than cut somebody and call up Blue Ellen, which has been the alternative that you Malarkey's mean Kalfani Muhammad. That's mm-hmm. right. Yep, yep. That's exactly what I mean. The go. The Muhammad. go. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the invisible man in the preseason. Uh, who we all thought was going to be good, like so. I mean, and maybe maybe he gets in, and maybe he's back there with Adore on returns, and he ends up getting a touchdown or something crazy. But I mean, I for my money, this seems exactly like what happened before the Seattle game. The only difference is, is the Titans played a game on Monday, so instead of practicing on Friday like he normally would if it was a regular week, he'll do walkthroughs tomorrow on Saturday, and he'll be active. But you know that that's my conspiracy theorist in me. I don't even think DeMarco – he doesn't need to play in this game. I really don't think yeah, he does. I, just, I, I don't think I, so. I don't, I don't believe that. I have I have seen us lose to the winless Jaguars. I've seen us lose to the Browns. I've seen us lose to terrible Redskins teams. We need all our players to play the week before bye week. Let them rest during the bye week. Don't rest them the week before and lose a game. You know, we should have beat Miami. You know, not and I, we didn't have Mariota, but – I don't want to put it all on Mariota's back just because, I mean, if he's injured, you know, with his hamstring and stuff, I don't have Derrick Henry though. It's not, it's not like we're going to let Fluellen start the game, but Derrick Henry is going to get one yard of carry for the first three quarters. (laughs) And then he's going to be really good. Like, I I mean, like legitimately, like Henry is a fourth quarter back. Like he only really gets going when the other team is just dog tired of tackling everybody all, all day. I mean, and that's fine. That's a really useful weapon. I mean, it's what ended up, you know, killing Jacksonville, it killed the Colts. You know, it's a good weapon to have, but it's not something you base your team around. So, I you mean, know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm more afraid of the Browns than I should be because i am been burned too recently by the Titans and it's still stuck in my head. But after losing a game to Miami that they shouldn't have, they're 3-3. Three and three. So now, I, I, if I'm Malarkey, I'm doing everything I can to make sure I get to four and three before the bye week, so that I can carry that momentum in. And then you get a shift of healthy people like Corey Davis and Cyprian, you know, all coming back. And Murray gets an extra week of rest. I'm saying, look, 
I don't know if I need you for 12 plays or 18 plays, but it won't be 50. You know, I just need you to go out there and give me as much as you can for those plays, and then Henry's still going to get the bulk of the carries. And that, that's that. That's what I would do. Now, we'll, we'll see what actually happens, but, you know, I think you need this win because if you lose to the Browns, you can lose to anybody. And I don't mean that in a negative way towards the Browns, but if you're the team that loses to the winless team, then you're the team that everybody in the NFL is going to believe they have a chance against. Mm-hmm. You you say it jokingly that Derrick Henry is going to average one yard a carry, but it's not a joke. The Browns are the I, Browns I would, are actually one of the best run defenses in the league. They're allowing only three yards per attempt, uh, and the only team better than that. Well, they're actually tied with the only team that's better than that, which is the Denver Broncos. And it's thanks so, to one of the first round picks that they actually hit on, Danny Shelton. Who yeah, did yeah. his first year and then who suddenly looks good now. Like, But, I mean, I, if I could put money on the fact that I think the first touch Derrick Henry gets will lose yards, I would. Cause that's is that, is that a, a, a Bavada option? That's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm going to look and see under prop bets and see way down the list if I can bet that at 20 to 1 odds and be a millionaire, you know. But, <laughs> you know, it's – it's it's so obvious to me that's what's going to happen is they're going to try to run him up the middle and he's going to bounce it or they'll try to run it and they'll pull a guard and the linebacker will see it and flow and fill and then Henry will just shuffle his feet and lose a yard and you know it will 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 blame it not us but the the media will blame it on the run blocking early that but that's not a, what it is it's just the fact that when he stops his feet he's dead in the water and that just happens more early when the defense is fresh so. I, I think running an offense through him is basically digging yourself into a hole and knowing you're going to have to go for it on third and seven, especially in the first and second quarter. And if you're comfortable with Mariota doing that, more power to you. But, I mean, you're going to be in second and 11 the next play, so get ready. Yeah, and you're going to be in those in those long downs uh, with Mariota, who's probably not going to be at 100%. So he won't be as dynamic on the ground as he usually is. Uh, and he, I mean, obviously he can beat the Browns with just his arm and just staying in the pocket. Uh, and I do think that's the best way to attack the Browns, uh, not on the ground. Yeah. So we talked before the Titans played the Texans about how they needed to rush the passer against Deshaun Watson and and, and really kind of freak him out. Uh as w- that didn't really work. I- I'm not even going to be sarcastic about it. They were they're awful <laughs> against Deshaun Watson, but I mean Watson has has played pretty well against other teams too, not just the Titans. Deshaun Kaiser has done nothing against anybody. If you can't get to this guy, and if you if this guy looks like Joe Montana against Dick LeBeau, I don't I don't this. Mm. I mean, he holds the ball so long. If we don't get multiple sacks in this game. I would fire everyone on defense that's even a part of the, the whole defense <laughs> because it would just make no sense whatsoever. Uh, this guy, he really just holds the ball so long, and he's so prone to mistakes. Uh, I mean, if you can't get to him in, like, five seconds, then something is seriously wrong, and we're already thinking something's wrong, so we're really going to find out if Dick LeBeau is the right man for the job in this game. Like, I, I really respect y'all's optimism, but there's no way we get more than two sacks in this game. There's no chance. Uh, so, uh, I believe in the last two weeks against Jacoby Brissett and Jay Cutler, we have one combined sack. 
I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm I am fairly sure it was Jarrell Casey against Miami. Um so that that's against one of the worst offensive lines that put a guy on injured reserve like the day before the game in the Colts and against Jay Cutler who outran a blitzing defensive back. I think it was Logan Ryan. Like who out, you know, if you can't get there with, you know, if you're scheming something up and it's so poor that if your slowest quarterback in the NFL rolls to the left, he can get away from your corner, then that's just a bad scheme. You know, they're going to drop a rack, Poe. It's going to make us mad. The one guy who's beaten, uh, Joe Thomas pretty cleanly over the last year and a half is Arakpo when they played last year, and it we'll, we'll see him against him ten to twelve times maybe. It's it's going to be a really bad game in terms of pass rush. There's going to be a lot of long drives where the people in the you know people in the broadcast talk about how Kaiser looks like he's developed and how he looks like he's finally getting control of this offense and the week off did him well because LeBeau's going to rush three or four and give them a real soft cushion and leave Avery Williamson in coverage until, you know, on first and second down. And it's just, it's just going to get the Titans beaten or, you know, in terms of yardage, like they're going to give up a lot of yardage and they're not going to get a lot of big plays. So, I, I mean, I, I hope they come out and they can get, I hope I'm wrong. I hope, I hope Lobo, you know, schemes ways to get Casey and Arakpo going. But honestly, especially with a banged up Derek Morgan, I, I don't have a ton of expectations for the front seven to do anything this week. Yeah, I don't. I agree with you. Actually, I'm kind of getting nervous <laughs> that we're not even going to get a sack. Dude, we have eight sacks. Like, I know. That it's pitiful. Like, it is pitiful how bad we are. We're one of the worst pass rushing teams in the NFL, both in terms of sacks and in terms of like sacks per snap. Like, and I heard uh, Malarkey talk. Uh, either today or yet no, either yesterday or the day before, where he said, uh, "You know, we're not getting that. We're not getting a sacks, but we're getting there." And LeBeau has told me that uh, what I want is I want for guys to have to be fast mentally and slow physically, which or slow mentally and fast physically, which means that they're rushing passes, and that even if we don't get sacks, that's okay because we want to confuse them. And that's great on paper until you play Russell Wilson, who scrambled and was quote unquote pressured like 10 times or something and ended up almost leading a great comeback. Or until you get to Sean Watson, who, because you don't sack him and you get him pressured, all he does is roll out of the pocket and hit these deep passes. I mean, Kaiser's not either one of those guys, but to say it's okay to get a pressure, but it's, you know, that a sack is not the end-all, be-all is a fundamental misunderstanding of what defense is in the NFL right now. Yeah, sacks are drive killers. Mm-hmm. Sacks are drive killers. Sacks and turnovers are the only thing that matters for a defense. Yeah. So, Will, I'm glad you mentioned uh, prop bets on Bovada because that got me thinking. We need <laughs> We need to start a prop bet segment on this show, and I came up with a couple <laughs> to start us off. The first prop bet, Taewon Taylor jet sweeps. The over-under is 1.5 as to how many times over. that is run. Over. Over. over, over. Overwhelming hey, like, over. Because, okay, this all goes back to the whole It's two. Back. Dude, it may be five. Like, it, like remember in the preseason game where they did it against the uh, Bears and he had, like, four carries in, like, the first quarter? Yeah. Like, yeah. where he was just crazy, like... I think if Murray's banged up, 
and they have him out there, I expect to see a lot of it. You know, that all goes back to the fact that if you want, you know, to just have him play around and, you know, if you want Rubisky to just be able to draw something up in the sand, it, that's a great way to do it to where people may actually pay attention to Murray and you can get him open. But, but yeah, over. Okay, next one. How many sacks are the Titans going to get? The over-under is two. Under. Push. It's Hard two. under. Hmm. <laughs> uh, who, gets, who gets the sacks? I, I don't know. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Dodd? I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Dodd with a two sack game. You would, okay. oh man, I would, Dude, I, would I, again, I would love nothing more, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The, the final. He's not even going to play. <laughs> the final prop bet of the first installment of Titan sized prop bets. The over under is at five for this one, and it is the number of times on third down that Brian Arakpo is dropped into coverage. Oh over. my god. Over. How many? Wait, how many times? Over and under. Is, over under is the five. Oh man, that is tough. I'm Dude. going. I'm going under. I don't think they're gonna have that many third downs. No, they're gonna have a bunch of third downs. Yeah, like they're gonna have a bunch of third downs because it's gonna be third and eight, and we're gonna drop Arakpo and rush three, and then it'll be yeah. another first down, and we'll have to deal with it all over again. Over. <laughs> over <laughs> yeah take me over i'm telling you like i like i'm gonna parlay these prop bets and y'all won't see me on the podcast again because i'll be on my own private island like if avada will just take my money for these like i i mean the taewon taylor like is probably closer depending on murray erect is gonna drop like seven to eight times minimum like <laughs> it, it that's just gonna happen and it's gonna be super frustrating and then he'll drop into coverage, and the next play, uh, LeBeau will take him off the field, and I'll just be so. <laughs> you know, as we head into the bye week, um, and again next week, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about our plans for next week in a second. Uh, but as we head into the bye week, through the first, uh, what have they played? They played the Titans have played six games now. Through the first six games of the season, I think what's been most surprising is Dick LeBeau's usage of his outside linebackers, particularly the fact that, as we talked about, Arakpo is constantly dropped into coverage, and the fact that, for whatever reason, he wants to play Eric Walden as a stand-up defensive tackle, which is something prior to this year that I didn't even know was a possibility. <laughs> Let's not act like Arakpo's the only one that he, he, he's been dropping into coverage. I've seen it with Eric Walden a bunch, and I saw it with Kevin freaking Dodd in the preseason so i mean it's well, clearly a staple get, of his scheme yeah anytime you can get kevin dodd on a running back you have to it's a mismatch yeah i mean, I mean just or on a tight end that is yeah that, is. that i mean that's what i want like let's have him just play middle linebacker <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't play anywhere else might as well and it's not like that's i mean the titans have one all pro inside linebacker one young up and coming inside linebacker and one high school inside linebacker I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys figure out who, who I'm talking about. That's rough. That's rough. I can't believe you're so mean to Woodyard like that. But <laughs> just kidding, Woodyard. Please do not kill me. Uh, so let's talk about a little bit about what we're gonna do on Tuesday night. Uh, it was Matthias did a nice little promo at the start of our last episode. It it also Doki smooth. Yeah, it also ran at the start of this episode. Um, we're going to be going live on Blog Talk Radio on Tuesday 
at 7.30 p.m. Central. The link is going to be bit.ly slash tsdraft. That is the link you can listen to us at bit.ly slash tsdraft. And that link will also be on Titan Size Twitter. Uh, so what are we doing, guys? Tell everybody what we're going to be doing exactly. We are going to be picking all-time players uh, for our respective teams. Uh, and spoiler alert, the number one pick is going to me, and I'm picking Darius Raynaud. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like we had trade talks about that because I actually wanted Raynaud really bad. <laughs> uh, he, he, was, first, he was a Dory second. Jackson before a Dory Jackson was a thing. Yeah, yeah, and and Matias is staunch on it. I mean, I offered him a first and a second. And he said no. He said he already <laughs> had this guy call somebody else. And I said, well, I said I guess I I'll made just... my mind up. Too late. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that that's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, we will randomize who gets what pick. We're gonna do it like a snake format, and uh, we're gonna stick with Titans players. No Houston Oilers. So no Warren Moon, Earl Campbell, Elvin Bethea, and. And those are the uh, only three, other than Mike Munchak, those are the only four Houston Oilers I can name. Well, I guess like guys like Matthews and, <laughs> and Matthews and Bishops, who also played for the Titans. But yeah, I was gonna say uh, let's let's clarify this. Uh, Bruce Matthews is eligible because he did play with yeah. the Titans. So Neil, that'll, that'll Neil, be very key and, in my draft. And if you're looking for a quarterback, I guess you know you you have Steve McNair, you have Mariota. you have the choice of Hasselback, Vince Young, Kerry Collins. You also have Neil O'Donnell. Yeah, we Solid. have a lot of debate about who Solid the third guy. quarterback should be. It's like, going to be interesting. I, I, think, I did not think it would be as interesting. Y'all, y'all need to check it out because I have some very strong opinions on who the third quarterback should be. You know, the thing is, the third quarterback is probably going to be like the last guy taken because you know, the, the first two. Are oh no, go. I'm taking I'm I'm taking exclusively quarterbacks until everybody has one. I'm really going <laughs> to load up. I'm going to I'm going to build that trade value. See if I can get Raynod back. <laughs> I'm going to be stuck with Billy Bolick. Oh, my God. <laughs> Play a left tackle for me. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, Tuesday, 7.30 p.m., we will be live on Blog Talk Radio, bit.ly slash TS Draft. Until then, thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. From T.S. Wadner, Will Loma, Steven Rosenberg, I'm Luke Worsham. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to everybody on Tuesday. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.